0: I'm continuing a sermon series on Sabbath this morning. We started a couple weeks ago talking about recreation. This morning we're going to talk about restoration. We'll have two scripture passages, one from Deuteronomy 5 and one from Hebrews 10. Let's read. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox your donkey or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And then we'll turn to the New Testament. We'll read from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is God's word for us this morning. We were on vacation a couple weeks ago. We spent some time in Denver in the house I grew up in with my family. And we told a lot of family stories. You know, one time we did this. We went to this place. And our kids always, always seem interested in more. Dad, did you ever go here before? Dad, what happened here? You may have noticed when we had the children's message this morning. And I wondered if this would happen. When you ask the kids what they do, pretty quickly they start coming up with stories. At my friend's house the other day, we went after fireflies. This is what we do. This is what happened. We love to tell stories about our lives. And often we tell stories not just about what's happened, but we tell ourselves stories about how we want our lives to be. if we're younger, often we look ahead and we think about, you know, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is what my life is going to look like. And as we get older, that becomes maybe sometimes more a looking back, a, a daydreaming almost about the good old days and how things used to be and how, how wonderful that was. We continually tell ourselves stories about our lives. And these stories shape us more than we realize. The stories that we tell, the things we focus on, the things we rehearse, they tell us about the shape of our hearts. They tell us what we really believe they tell us who we belong to. Now, the texts that we read for today tell a particular story. They invite us into God's story that shapes our lives. And in these texts, there's a main line to the story. There's the basic reality the texts talk about. But there's also a story kind of underneath or behind the story. So I want to get to the story these texts invite us into. But before we go there, we need to talk a little bit about the story behind the story. Before we can talk about Sabbath, we need to talk about slavery. And as Deuteronomy looks back, it tells a story. That backstory is that God's people are enslaved to the powers of the world. We're enslaved. We're slaves. Deuteronomy reminds the people of Israel that they were slaves back in Egypt. Way back when they were in bondage and the Lord delivered them. And that conflict in Egypt actually wasn't a military or political conflict, it was a divine conflict, a spiritual battle. The real deep problem was not that the people of Israel were in Egypt, the real problem wasn't even that they were experiencing political oppression for a time, the problem problem was that they were under the control of other gods. In ancient Egypt, Pharaoh was seen as a god and they had a whole ton of other gods And the problem with the Israelites being there was that these other gods defined their lives. Their lives were shaped by the desires and the plans of these other deities. And in some ways, actually, if we read the Old Testament, we see it wasn't all that bad in Egypt. Life was tough, but the people had food and shelter. Life was tough, but at least Egypt would protect the people from other attackers. Life was tough, but maybe it wasn't all that bad. So it's possible that some of the people who first heard this command, they wouldn't have had it sound like good news to them. They may have thought that God's deliverance and the Sabbath wasn't really all that great a deal compared to what they used to have in Egypt. Maybe the Sabbath didn't feel like a gift to them. And for us sometimes the Sabbath doesn't necessarily feel like a gift. It can be hard to really set aside intentional time, to set aside a day every week for rest, and for worship. We aren't interested in the gods of Egypt anymore, but we have our own idols today. We have our idols of busyness and productivity and prosperity and security. More than we often realize, we're enslaved to the American dream. We keep being pushed to do more and more, to get more and more, and so we keep pushing ourselves to do more and more, to get more and more. When my family lived in Nigeria, we had a passing encounter, kind of a friend of a friend sort of thing, with a guy who was the chief of security for a major international construction company. And this guy had his life mapped out. He had a place back in England where he was from, where he wanted to live. I think he even had a specific home picked out in a specific community, and someday that was going to be where he was going to live in England with his family. And he had schools picked out. They had maybe five kids. He had schools picked out for each of his kids, elementary school through college. And they were going to go there, and they were going to be in these great schools and have this great life. And he had an amount, not a dollar amount, but an amount, a very specific amount. He'd added it all up, accounted for inflation, accounted for cost of living and everything. And this was the amount. I think it was 10 or $12 million. That was the amount he needed to hit to have the life he wanted for his family. And so, in his career, any job that came along that paid more than the last job, he'd take because he had this goal he was working toward. And you might guess that being the chief of security for a major international construction company in Africa is not really a fun job. This was the guy when someone from the company got kidnapped, and that happened with some regularity. He was the guy who got the phone call We have your person, we have him, he is in our control. You need to pay this much in this place by this amount, or you will never see this guy again. And he was the man who got that phone call every single time, and he had to decide what to do. Sometimes he'd just hang up on the guy, and that was it. Not really a fun job, not something he loved doing, but but he had this goal, he had this burden, he needed to provide for his family in this way. And so he just kept on slaving Away, And too many of us live with that kind of slavery. Maybe our goals, our methods aren't that extreme, but we push and we push and we push. If we don't hit the email Sunday night, Monday morning feels like a massacre. We just can't get everything done during the week, so more and more we push things off to the weekend and we we sacrifice our leisure time. Or our leisure activities keep requiring more and more and more of us. So we have to crunch our schedule more and more and more to keep everything in. We're worried about our kids keeping up. We're worried about keeping our jobs. We're worried about paying for a house. We're worried about all these things. And so we make a few sacrifices. Sacrifices is religious language, isn't it? We make a few sacrifices so we can keep going after these things we make a few sacrifices so we can keep running and running and running and often these are good things sometimes we really enjoy them and we like to keep busy but often if we're really honest all this running around makes us miserable we get this addiction this addiction to busyness to getting after the next thing and we want to stop but we can't We become frantic and frenetic people. We're always stressed. We're always running to the next thing. And it never gets us anywhere. Let me let you in in a little secret. If we can't find time to rest and to worship in our lives, then we are slaves. If your schedule is keeping you away from the Lord and never letting you truly rest, then you are a captive. If you can't find time for rest and refreshment, you Are in bondage. If you can't find time to spend with the Lord, then you are a slave to some other power. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy. Slavery in Egypt is the story behind the story here, but in the passage we read for today, we read that the people were slaves in Egypt, and then the Lord brought them out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. When the people were enslaved, the Lord delivers them. And it is only in the Lord that we find true rest. And then Deuteronomy says, Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Lord commands us to rest, to enjoy the Sabbath day, because he has delivered us from slavery. This day of rest and worship is to be a continual reminder of which God the people serve. A continual reminder that it's God who sets us free And in the Lord we find rest from our slavery. And we should hear this command this way too. Deuteronomy wants us to look toward God's gracious work on our behalf. This passage, this command, they exist to bring us closer to the Lord. Now the Israelites look back on their deliverance from Egypt in the Exodus. But we look back on our deliverance by looking to Jesus. A couple weeks ago when we started off this sermon series, we read a passage from the Gospel of Matthew. And in that passage, Jesus invites us to come to him, and he tells us he will give us rest. Take my yoke upon you, he says, for my burden is light, and he will truly give us rest. Now that includes rest from our labor, but it also includes rest from our slavery. Jesus gives us a break from serving other gods. In Christ, we get freedom from all the burdens from all the things that we carry week after week after week. Only in Christ can we find what we need. Cool Runnings is a classic movie about a Jamaican, the first Jamaican bobsled team. And if you know Jamaica, it's pretty warm there, and if you know bobsledding, well you sled down, a course made of ice, so it's pretty cold. So the comic possibilities of the first Jamaican bobsled team are just about endless, right? Got a lot of fun moments in that movie, but there's some serious moments too. And there's one part where the the sled driver, Doris is his name. He's in his hotel room. He's looking over slides, looking over pictures of the curves on the course and thinking, how am I going to handle this one? How am I going to handle that one? How fast do I need to go into this? Do I need to break there? And his coach, Irv, comes in to check on him. And Irv is a former bobsledder, big, loud American guy. they talk a little bit. And then Doris says, you know, coach, there's something I want to ask you. And you don't have to answer. I want you to answer, but you don't have to answer. Uh, but, but I want, but I, but... Uh... Darius just found out that day that Irv, who was a champion bobsledder, several-time gold medalist, had cheated on his last Olympics. He put weights in the front of the sled to make it go faster. And he had cost himself and the whole American program a gold medal. And Darius wants to ask, Coach, why, why'd you do that? Why'd you cheat? Why'd you throw all that away? And after a bit of stumbling, gets what Doris is going after, and says, "Okay, you want to know why I cheated? Okay, I needed that gold medal. I needed that next gold medal. I felt like I would never be enough. It didn't matter what I'd done before. I felt like I would never be enough if I didn't get that gold medal. But Doris, if you're never enough without the medal, you won't be enough." With it either. And then Dereese looks at his coach and says, Coach, coach, how will I know if I'm enough? And his coach says, When you cross that finish line, when you cross that finish line, you'll know. A lot of us never feel like we're enough. No matter what we do, it's not enough to quiet the voices inside or the voices outside that keep driving us on to more and more and more. But the thing about every single power besides Jesus is that there is no finish line. You get to the top of the corporate ladder you're climbing, and you find out you're just at the bottom rung of the next ladder. You do everything that somebody asks of you, and the requests keep. Multiplying. You push and you push and you push, and the powers of this world, anything that we serve besides Jesus, never let us get to the finish line. We need to serve another power. It is only in Jesus Christ that we are enough. It is only In the Lord Jesus that we are enough. It is only in the Lord Jesus that we are truly restored. And if we belong to Jesus, we can find true rest in him. Christ brings us freedom from all our other burdens. And if you are in Christ, you are truly free. If you are in Christ, you are enough right now. I don't care what other demands are being placed upon you. I don't care what expectations others have of you or you have of yourself. If you are in Christ, you are enough. In Christ, you are free. Tim Keller once called the celebration of Sabbath a declaration of our freedom. When we practice Sabbath, when we find rhythms of rest and worship, we are declaring that we are free when we gather here and worship on Sunday, we are saying to the powers of the world, I am not your slave. You do not own me. Because if we belong to Christ, he owns us. He is our master. He is our Lord. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. One way that we celebrate our freedom is by celebrating the Sabbath. And there's a couple dynamics to the Sabbath. One Is rest, really good rest and recreation and recreation as we talked about a couple weeks ago. But another element of Sabbath is worship, connecting with the Lord, saying thank you to Him, truly being with Him. Our lives should have regular routines, regular rhythms, things we do all the time that lead us to rest and lead us to worship. And by worship, I mean individual worship, reading your Bible, praying, being with the Lord. And I also mean what we're doing now, gathering with the church, being together with God's people to love, to worship, to be with Him. And we need to do this continually. We need continual restoration. That's our third point for today. We need continual restoration. And this takes us to our Hebrews text for today. Our Hebrews text reminds us that Jesus has opened the way for us to go to the Father. He's made us truly clean, truly able to connect with the true Lord. And then Hebrews tells us to do three things in that passage. If we belong to Christ, this is what we do. We draw near, we hold fast, and we consider each other. We should draw near to the Lord. We should enjoy the access that Jesus gives us to the Father. And we should hold fast. We should hold on to God. We shouldn't turn off to the left or right. We shouldn't get distracted. We should keep holding on. And third, we should consider each other. We shouldn't give up meeting together. We should encourage each other. We should be with other believers. We should be involved in each other's lives to push each other on to following Him. And we should gather for worship. And we need to have these rhythms continually. When I was maybe 10 or so, my family had lunch, Sunday lunch, with an uncle and aunt who lived maybe an hour away from us. My Uncle Jerry was an electrician. He owned his own business, and he and my dad worked a lot. I mean, you look up workaholic in the dictionary, Uncle Jerry's picture's right here, my dad's picture's right here. Jerry was serious about his work. He was working 12 hours a day, six days a week at that point. My dad was getting pretty close to that. They were were serious about what they did. They loved it, and they did it all the time but they never, never worked on Sunday. That did not happen. All kinds of other things happen. They go to church once or twice, they watch football, they take naps, they go for bike rides, they visit family and friends, but they did not work on the Sabbath day, on Sunday. And on that particular day, my dad and uncle were talking about how hard it was and it was hard not to slip into work mode. It was hard to set aside, set aside that time and keep it separate to really focus on the Lord and really rest. And my Uncle Jerry told a story of a guy from his church who he'd been talking with lately. And this guy could never stop working. He was a believer and he wanted to grow closer to the Lord and he wanted to spend more time with his family, but he just couldn't help it. He had to work. So he'd be sitting in his family room Sunday afternoon and he'd wander over to his office just for a couple minutes to check a couple things. And all of a sudden it'd be 10 or 11 o'clock at night and he'd have spent the whole afternoon and evening working and working and working. Or he'd get up Sunday morning and he'd have a great new idea to revise a bid they were going to put in on Monday so they could cut some costs and get in ahead of the competition. So just that one Sunday, just that one Sunday, he'd stay home and work instead of getting to church or spending time with his family. And you can guess that it wasn't just that one Sunday. It ended up being just about every Sunday. Every Sunday he wanted to unplug, he wanted to step back but he couldn't he was addicted and he kept running and running and running it was a burden but he didn't know how to put it down so my uncle Jerry told this story and then there was a few seconds of thoughtful silence as we all chewed our food and thought about it and then he says boy boy once you step off that cliff I don't know how you ever get back Boy, you know, if I, didn't, if I didn't keep my routines, if I didn't have this day separate, I think work would take over my life. It would eat me alive if I didn't rest and I didn't worship. The Lord restores us from bondage. He delivers us from slavery. But we keep wanting to go back to Egypt. The Israelites in the Old Testament, when they left Egypt, they kept looking back over their shoulders. There's times they were in the desert, free of Egypt, but they kept whining. Yeah, we were slaves there, but the food was good. Yeah, we were in bondage, but at least we knew where our next meal was coming from. They kept complaining about the good old days. And yeah, it was oppressive, they were slaves, but hey, the food was good. The people were prone to getting distracted. And we're prone to getting distracted too. We're free. We are free in Christ. But we keep wanting to slip back to Egypt for a little bit. Unless we make a continual priority and build rhythms into our lives, we kind of just keep sliding, sliding, sliding back to Egypt. Often we really want to follow Jesus. We want him at the center of our life. But other stories keep creeping in. We want to follow Jesus, but could we afford the mortgage on a bigger house? We want to follow Jesus, but, but there's this thing I really want to do this week. We want to follow Jesus, but, but what if I don't keep up with my job? We want to follow Jesus, but what will other people think? And so we need to be reminded all the time of what the real story of our lives is. And so I invite you to keep coming to worship. In worship we are restoried. We find restoration. You may have noticed I had a hyphen in that word restoration in this point. I think when we come to worship, we get brought back, we get restoried into the story of God's love for us and how He's delivered us. The real story of our lives is not our possessions, it's not what the powers of the world demand of us. The real story of the lives, of our lives is that God gives us freedom. We do not belong in Egypt anymore. We do not belong to the powers of this world. And we need to be reminded of that. And so we gather every week here to hear the storyline again. God draws us out of slavery and into his presence. That is the true story of your life if you belong to Jesus. And that is the story we need to hear every day and every week. I'm going to close this morning with three three invitations or suggestions, call them what you like. First, I invite you to really wrestle with the question, what powers are you enslaved to? What burdens are you carrying? In your heart of hearts, who are you who are you serving? Who do you belong to? Is your work, your bank account, your self-image, your significant other, is some other power the primary thing in your life? And if if that's the case, you need to know none of those things will make you happy by themselves, and none of them will make you free. So reflect on that. My second invitation, let me invite you to be truly restored in your life. Find rhythms, develop rhythms, work hard at rhythms that help you to be restored. Work hard at things that help you draw closer to the Lord. Go deeper in your spiritual walk, cling to Jesus, hold on to him no matter what happens in your life. Find rhythms of rest and worship and draw closer to the Lord and to his people. And my third invitation, it's kind of part of that second one really, Let me invite you to make our worship services a priority in your life. Make being together with other believers every week something that you do. Put it on your schedule. God invites us to come over to his house every single Sunday. He loves having us over. He loves gathering with his children and hearing our stories and accepting our prayers and our gifts and giving us gifts and speaking to us. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we come with great things to be thankful for, and sometimes we come with heavy hearts and with huge burdens that we're carrying. But God invites us to come either way. I'm really not a worship service legalist. Really, I'm not. But I want to invite you to make this part of your life every week. It is good spiritual medicine. It is good spiritual food. It is something special to gather with God's people. To be refreshed in what God's story is. To be spiritually renewed by being together with the Lord and with his people. So gather here to be restoried with us every week. And it's only when we draw near to the Lord Jesus that we try and find true freedom. It's only when we draw near to the Lord Jesus and hold on to him that we find true restoration. So I invite you today, invite you every day to look to Jesus, to draw near to him, to hold on to him, to gather with his people to be truly restored. May we all truly encounter the power, the refreshment, the renewal, and the restoration that God brings his people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us freedom. We thank you that in the midst of a world that's full of powers that want to enslave us, that keep demanding more and more and more of us, we thank you that you meet us here, that you invite us to follow you, That you tell us that you will give us true rest and that you fulfill that promise. Lord, I pray that you help each one of us here this morning to find restoration. Whatever our needs, whatever our burdens, we ask that you set us free. Bring us into your presence. Work in us through your Holy Spirit so that we try find true grace, true love, true peace in you and you alone. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our glorious Lord. Amen.